You know what I think in life, uh, one of the most difficult, one of the most frustrating feelings you can have or situations you can find yourself in is when you're facing circumstances that that aren't right, that that shouldn't be the way they are, but you are actually powerless to do anything about it. When there's a sense of vulnerability or a you know a sense of frustration over over different things. I mean, right now we're in the middle of, you know, a, a terrible drought that has just gone on and on. I mean, we've been talking about the drought with people that we've been ministering to uh, in the far west of the state now for nine years. Most of them have barely had rain in that time. Some of them have had some rain in scattered patches, but for many of them they've had nothing significant for uh, for eight or nine years. Of course, it's all come onto the media's scope very, very late in the piece, really. Uh, Dennis Waldridge is out there right now, actually, on our behalf. Dennis and Rose are visiting families uh, and, and dropping off Christmas gifts and paying bills and doing all sorts of things for people on our behalf. But, you know, it's frustrating when you can't actually just change the weather. I mean, that, that would answer it. The, get the tide up, all the boats float. So, so rain is what we really, really need, but you actually can't do that, so that becomes frustrating. Uh, in, in the same way, possibly the fires that we're facing, like, you know, we, we wish they'd just go out, but they don't. And unless, you know, unless you're a firefighter like young Jaden, wherever he is, he's probably in kids' church, um, you know, you, you can't actually do something really tangible about it. You've just got to maybe buy some slabs of water like we've done, give them to the fireys, you know, that kind of thing. But... Come on, does anyone else feel that frustration and that, that sense of powerlessness? And, you know, we can ask the question, and I think our world does sometimes, because our world, I don't know whether you've noticed, but sometimes the, the only time our world believes in God is when it needs someone to blame. And, uh, but we can even ask ourselves, why doesn't God do something? Have you ever found yourself asking the question, why doesn't God do something? And, uh, and I, I think that's a, fair enough, that's a fair enough question to ask, and not just about fires and bush, bushfires and droughts, and those are very real things, but what about some of the things that have clung to the human condition? Violence and injustice, poverty, exploitation, these pervasive human ills that have stuck with humanity, when those things are occurring, when those things become obvious in our society, on the news, etc., that's often when people say, why doesn't God do something about that? If God was so good, why would bad things happen in the world? Well, it's Christmas, and I want to preach a Christmas message because, as a matter of fact, Christmas answers that question. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Then verse 14, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The eternal words spoken by the Father, Jesus Christ, 
John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then the Word was manifest amongst us. Literally, light shattered the darkness and brought hope and light into the world. I love this this passage where it says, darkness did not comprehend it. The Greek word katabaneo, did not comprehend. In other words, that word katabaneo literally means to overtake, to lay hold of, and to make one's own. In other words, when God released light and life, darkness has been trying to chase it down ever since and can't catch it and make it its own. It did not comprehend it, could not lay hold of it. Light has broken forth and it will never be put back in a box. That's what Christmas is about. The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us in the form of God's Son, Jesus Christ. I want to speak to us today about the latent power of Christmas. The latent power of Christmas. By latent, uh, obviously I mean the untapped, the unused, uh, all too often the inactivated. The latent. It's there, but will You use it. Will we tap into it? Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read the Christmas story. Is it okay if we read the Christmas story at Christmas time? There's a few passages, there's a few verses, uh, but I'm sure that you're not that averse to the Bible that we can't read it in church. You okay? Here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and behold, you will conceive... In your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, the whole story, the whole Christmas story could be summarised, definitely demonstrated by this simple response of Mary, her obedient response Let it be to me according to your word. And because of that, everything else unfolded. Her obedient response, 
As a matter of fact, it's got to lead you to one question. What would have happened if she'd said no? Have you ever thought about that? Because we read about Bible characters and we often think that they're someone special and far removed, so different to us. But actually, if you do read the Bible, you realise that they are very much like us, disturbingly so. They struggle with faith and they struggle with sin and they struggle with trusting God. They're very, very similar to us and Mary was no one different. What if Mary, if the whole plan and purpose of God hinged on her obedience? What if she'd said no? What if she said, no, look, angels freak me out. This one visit's enough. I don't want to see any more. Let alone God living in my house, you know. Some of us might think, well, that'd be an awesome. Who'd like, to, who'd like to live with Jesus? As he developed, as he grew, the anointing of God on his life grew and all of a sudden he could tell what you were thinking. <laughs> I heard what you said about me yesterday while you were in the marketplace 10 miles away. I don't know whether we would want to live with Jesus sometimes. There was no guarantees when God came to Mary No guarantees. She wasn't a robot like you. You've got free will. You know, last week I was talking to someone, they asked a great question. You know, well, if if, if mankind stuffs up, why did God give him a free will? Well, you can't love a robot and a robot can't love. That's why. She had free will. She could have said no if she wanted. She said yes because she loved And she was no one special. I mean, no guarantees in her saying yes because she's some super Bible character. She just enters the scene, a young, engaged lady living to honour God in a purity. But really just like so many other young ladies of her generation. And, and we look at the lineage now and the lineage matches up and whatnot, but I'm sure that's not what Mary was thinking. She was just doing life. Woke up that day like you did this morning, thinking it was just another day. And yet she said yes. And she said yes to something that wasn't the easiest path. Talk about no guarantees. To be mother to the son of God to give him flesh, to raise that child in her home and at her breast. Not the easiest part, especially when you've got to get pregnant before you get married. In a social setting that was so much more aware of sin than what we are, that brought issues of fidelity, brought so much more shame, weight-bearing shame with them, yet she was prepared to face the shame, to face the mocking, to face the disbelief in spite of the fact that she felt really like no one and she had a perfect opportunity to say no. She said yes. Verse 38, let it be to me according to your word. And a humble yes brought hope to all humanity. A humble yes from this girl brought hope to all humanity. We sit here today 
thousands, millions of people gathered around the earth worshipping Jesus. Sit where they sit, stand where they stand, experience what they experience of the divine. Because a girl said yes. And often we overlook Mary, you know, because maybe there's been some, some crazy stuff and bordering on worship in some expressions of Christianity. We tend to avoid Mary and I think it's a shame because, boy, Mary, she is a champion of the scripture. Talk about a champion of the scripture. She bore the word of God. So three things I think happened in, at this point that God wants to happen, not just in Mary's heart, but in our heart. Remember, we've got a world that's asking, why doesn't God do something? First thing that happened in Mary's heart was reception. For God to do something, there needs to be a reception. We, we could call it conception for her, but the fact is she received the word. She received the word. She didn't reject it. She didn't say no. Her fear, her preferences, her whatever came second to what God wanted for her life and she opened her heart up. This is what Jesus talked about when he said, you must be born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you open your heart to his word, then things will stay exactly the way they always have been. The brokenness, the injustice, the powerlessness to bring change, even to your own life, remains until there's a receptivity and all of a sudden everything changed for Mary and everything can change for you if you just open your heart and let the word of God come to the inside of you, conceive in your spirit. I think this is why Paul, he writes to the church and he says, you know, it's, it's impossible for our, our natural mind to comprehend the things of the spirit, that, that, that our natural thinking is actually an enemy of God. But we perceive things, spiritual things, in our spirit. And I don't think for a moment for Mary this was a, well, I'm just adding up the pros and cons and working out whether I should let Jesus come into my life. Mary was sitting amongst her people who'd lived desperately and oppressed for hundreds of years and here's the opportunity for change. God is wanting to do something. So she opens a heart and friend, I wonder if you can tell what God wants to do in you today and even if you've walked with him for years, I think Christmas time is an excellent time to ask yourself the question, am I willing, am I able to open the door and let Jesus come in afresh and do something? something and bring change where there seems to be a frustration and inability to bring change, whether to myself or to the society around me. We have an opportunity to open our hearts, be receptive. How receptive? Mary was receptive. How receptive are we? And after she received, we come to this thing called the Incarnation. This big word, God dwelling in human form, coming into human form. 
There was a receptivity, then there was an incarnation in her life. Jesus became the light of the world. So he was the light of the world. He became obvious in human form. And interestingly enough, then passed that mandate on to us. Because Mary opened her heart, the light came into the world and the darkness could not comprehend it. We're not talking natural light now. We are talking what God wanted to do to bring change, to shine light into the darkest of situations. Not only for their lives, but through 2,000 years of history unfolding, Jesus has been bringing light into people's darkness. For me, it happened in 1986. I think it was February. I can't even remember. Crazy, the most incredible life-changing event, but God touched me and it wasn't for months before I even stopped to think about when did that even happen darkness wasn't going to catch me (laughs) could not comprehend what God was doing in my life I was out of that box and running and this is what happens with incarnation when you take the word of God into yourself Jesus begins to manifest through your life. He begins to incarnate himself through you. Not just a virgin 2,000 years ago, but each and every one of us. You are the light of the world. You know what I've seen it here? All year I was thinking about this message as I was, I was preparing yesterday and thinking about it all year, thinking about missions. So good to have Peter and Robin back. It really is great to see you guys. But just thinking what's even just happened this year, opening up a couple of new fields, committing ourselves. Bringing discipleship training to church leaders and just helping leaders raise strong Christian people that will run with a word in their heart. That's a powerful thing. That's a wonderful thing to be doing. Releasing children from poverty in partnership with compassion. That's light coming into the world. Why doesn't God do something? Well, God is. Through those who've received the word. He's incarnating himself through his church. I think of our good friend uh, in Sri Lanka. One morning we, we received giving, one morning in this church for good friends that we work with that were blown up, a whole family blown up in the bombings, horrific bombings earlier this year. And we were able to put that whole family through surgery so that they got all the bits of steel out of their body and they're all alive and healthy today. We took up one offering. It was $12,000, which goes a long way. And all we had to say was once, we want to do something for someone who's been injured in these blasts. And the church gave $12,000 in one morning to a perfect stranger. Me, Matt, Pastor Peter and Robin, the only ones here probably that have met him. And I think, man, why doesn't God do something? God is doing something. God is doing something. I see it here all the time. I see it in life group leaders. And I've visited some life groups, some of our small groups, in the last few weeks of, of, of this term. And I just see life group leaders that are week by week, month after month, many of them year after year investing in the lives of other people to do the one thing Jesus told us to do, which was make disciples. And I think, man, that word 
is alive. We see it in our kids' workers who are giving up this worship experience, this word experience, not just to babysit kids, but to hide the word of God in their heart and let them know that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. Man, God is doing something. And the only thing he's ever restricted by is no. It's the only thing he's ever restricted by is a no. We incarnate. Christ comes into us and everything begins to change. I saw it in the generosity of, uh, of so many volunteers who renovated house after house after house in our own street so that people displaced by war could move in there and have a pantry full of food and a bathroom full of toiletries and be welcomed to our fair city uh, straight out of refugee camps in northern Iraq. Why doesn't God do something? Well, God is. Through people who say, yes. Let it be unto me according to your word. People impregnated with the word must do something. They just can't help themselves. I've looked out. You're addicts. You just got to love people. You can't help it. You just got to be generous. You, you can't help it because, because there's an incarnation happening, Christ in you. And there's a formation happening. There's a formation on the inside. I mean, when you look at Mary, Christ formed in her literally flesh and blood and skin and bones and, and a body that would walk and talk and move amongst the most broken of humanity. Formed in Mary's womb. And it's not easy to be pregnant. For any of us who've watched our wives go through the process, I nearly said any of us have been pregnant. No, no thanks. I do agree with the statement, if men had to give birth, the human race would be extinct in one generation. But watching your wife, you know, bring a child to, to term and, and deliver a child and the changes of the body and, you know, science tells us that all kinds of things, chemicals and hormones like elastin and relaxin are released by the body and this allows the body to stretch and be reshaped to accommodate a child and to give birth and relax and releases during the birth and, and for a woman's pelvis literally to fall apart and then come back together. There's quite a price to pay to have something formed in you. It's a commitment. It's a massive commitment. And it's an ongoing thing. It's not suddenly, ladies, who'd, uh, who'd, you know, who'd be much happier if pregnancy was three months and it never happened in the height of summer, said every pregnant woman here right now. But there's a price to pay for something to be formed in you. Mary paid that price of Christ formed in her. And I guess the question for us is, how open are you to God shaping, God stretching, God changing you? Paul speaks to the church of Galatia this way, my little children, for whom I labour in birth again until Christ 
is formed in you. I think this is every authentic Christian leader's cry is, is simply to see people say yes and allow Jesus to come in to receive Christ and then to begin to incarnate Christ and, and see the changes and then to allow Jesus to actually reform and reshape the way that we think and the way that we believe and what is important to us and our values, everything at a foundational level. This is the cry of all authentic leadership. You know, sometimes leaders, I think, are really misunderstood. You know, if, if they're leading someone uh, who's making poor decisions, who's doing some wrong things, you know, often that person picks up in the leader a disappointment and maybe the leader has to say something, has to be corrective or directive. And, and often that individual who's been corrected will will think that that it's punitive, that it's punishment, that why are you being so harsh? Why are you speaking to me? Or why do you expect me to do it different? But, but what Paul's got here, what Paul's crying out to the church is exactly in the heart of every authentic leader. This is not about getting you to be lockstep and not about getting you to dot I's and cross T's. This is about seeing Christ formed in you, allowing God, you allowing God to shape you, to stretch you, to make you uncomfortable if needs be so that Christ can be seen through your life. Why doesn't God do something? Well, he is. He is in people, reshaping them, reforming them into the image of his son. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. And you will be indeed if you just say yes to Jesus. Mary is such a brilliant model. Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And this is the latent power of Christmas. What Christmas really is all about, not only Christ being born of Mary, but about Christ being born in us. So I I just want to close today with a couple of questions. Um. I know you're not a robot, none of us are. So our will has to come into this and and you might think, well, I'm no one special, that's okay. That's been thought before. As a matter of fact, I neglected to mention it on the way through, but it's almost like God only uses those that seem to be obscure. He most often does. The greatest king of Israel started out as a shepherd boy that wasn't even allowed to go to the battle. And again and again and again and again, you could just recount story after story of God plucking people out of obscurity. Friend, please do not think that you have nothing to offer if you have a yes. That's all God needs. So your will's involved and it won't be the easiest path, that's for sure. But I want to ask us some questions this morning. I want to ask you, 
I've asked them of myself many times. Will you let the word, will you let Jesus enter your life and renew you? Will you be like Mary that first Christmas, receptive, ready to receive? Is Christ moving through you, touching the world around you in some tangible way? In other words, I guess, are you happy to be his hands and feet? Are you happy to let him use you? Are you open to God stretching and shaping and changing you? You know, you may, you may be new to Jesus in this place, and this could be a scary me- message. Although I find for newer Christians, it's not as scary as it is for old. When I got saved, it was just, yes, God, what was the question? I was just so excited to know Jesus. I was so excited. My life had changed. I was so excited. The power of the Holy Spirit was was present in my life and real in my heart. And I was just, God just couldn't bring it quick enough. I just didn't realise I didn't have the character to do the things that were in my heart. That was a bit of a process. But man, it was always yes. Even if it was no, it was yes immediately afterwards. You know, but you might be really new on the, on the path. And can I just say to your friend, don't stop. Don't stop at receiving. Don't stop at just doing a few things, but, but lead, let Jesus come right in. Don't let your Christianity be as shallow as just stuff you do. Let him come right in and let him literally repattern your life after his own. And if we've been Christians here for a while and on the journey saying, yeah, I've known Jesus for many years, I think it's actually scariest for us. That's the scariest question I've asked this morning for me. Because sometimes you can just sort of set your depth, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm happy with that God. You can have that much. You can have that room of the house. You can have that part of my life. But this part of my life, I've decided I can't live without on, will you let Christ be formed in you? You're receptive. Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Just let your word, are you receiving the word this morning? Let your word come into my heart. And I want it to incarnate in me. I I want to become your hands and your feet in this world. I want to do practical things that display your love, that display God does care and God does do something. And let Jesus be formed in me. Let my life become an absolute reflection. Those early Christmas, the whole gospel's in Christmas. The whole gospel's there before Mary even gives birth. Isaiah, 600 years before Christ, Jesus was, uh, sorry, Sue was mentioned him earlier. 600 years before Christ, here I am, Lord. Send me. 2,600 years ago. Yes. 2,000 years ago, Mary, yes. About 30 years after that, 
follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And we're sitting here today because someone said yes long ago. Will you say yes? Whatever God's putting in your heart, whatever your response is today, we say yes to Jesus. So that maybe in, in years to come, if Jesus should tarry, people look at you and say, they said, because they said yes, Christ is now formed in me too. It's a good word for life group leaders here. Can I pray with us? Could we stand just, just as we close? We can close right now. Come on, let's open our hearts. You're receptive? You're ready to receive with that heart of Mary? Uh, I'm not saying you're a barefoot young Jewish maiden, but that heart that's open to God, that's receptive. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word meets us where we're at, engages us, stares deep into our soul. Thank you, Father, for your life and your healing. Thank you that Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness cannot comprehend it. You're always at work. You're always doing things. And you're doing it through people who say, yes, So right now, I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that whatever you're putting in our heart, whatever you're requiring of our lives right now, that we would say yes. Yes, yes to Christ being formed in us. Yes to incarnating your goodness in the world, making Jesus visible. And just while the head's about... You know, maybe here this morning you've never received Jesus. You know, you've been on a journey through life and it's taken you here, there and everywhere, but maybe you've you've never actually come to a full stop and gone, I need to, I need to stop and I need to recalibrate my life and I need to ask Jesus right in to the middle of it. And friend, if if you've never done that, but you know you need to, or if maybe you've wandered away, you did at one point, but you've wandered away and you know you need to put Jesus back at the centre, not as an add-on, not as a trimming, but right back at the centre, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. It's a very simple prayer of dedication, committing our lives to Christ. But just before we do, if you're in this place and you'd say, Chris, I need to receive Jesus this morning. I need to let the Word of God come right into my heart. I need to let Jesus come and live in me. Friend, if that's you, just just before we pray this together, take a step of faith. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just right where you are while no one's looking around. Yep, that is fantastic, mate. I see you over here on my right. Yep. I see you there. That is awesome. Right down in front of me. As I look across, yep, God bless you. I see you up there. Yep, God bless you. Mate, I see you over on on my left, over there. That is awesome. You put your hands down again. Any others in this place, just real quick, just join other people. Four precious people opening their heart, receiving Jesus this morning.
Friend, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Just before we move on, I'm going to have a look one more time. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just right where you are. Fantastic. That is awesome. Okay, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We're all going to pray this together. And uh, if you've responded, even if you didn't get to the point where you felt you could put your hand in the air, but your heart, you, you know Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, then can I encourage you, make this prayer, very simple prayer, make it your own this morning. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. And, and friend, it is that simple to begin a journey with Jesus. That's sort of like Mary's prayer. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And, uh, and Jesus says, if I, if I knock on the door of your heart, you let me in, then we're going to have fellowship together. He's literally going to live inside you. And life is going to change. God makes a difference. He makes a big difference. Cool. So why don't we just congratulate people who've made that step because that is a fantastic thing to do. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Rob who lets you know what's happening next.